do great things in His church. He's still able to do great things in this world. There is not one thing that has ever limited God on what God can do. There's never been a time where God has been limited in what He can do. We need a great move of God in all of these places. And this morning, I'm not talking about a pep talk from the preacher and not talking about emotionalism and not talking about just to make me feel good and I'll get out of here. But I think what we need today is we need for God to move like He did back in the book of Exodus when they had their backs against the wall and Moses went out there and He held that rod up and God made that highway in the ocean. That's what kind of move we need today. When Ezekiel looked out there and all he saw was a bunch of dead bones and God said, I'm going to make an army out of those dead bones. And when Joshua said, hey, the, the city's walled about and there are all these people are in there and there's no way we're getting in there. And God said, I want you to walk around that city. And when you walk around that city on that seventh day, that seventh time, I want you to shout. And can I say, when they shouted, God moved. And when God moved, the walls fell down. And what we stand in need of today is we need for God to move like that in this place. We need for God to move like that in this land. We need for God to move like that in our life. We get so used to just all going through the motions and I'm a Christian and I go to church every now and then and you know I pray occasionally and I read my Bible. Can I say we need more than dead spirituality today, All right, We need more than dead worship. We need more than just going through the motions but we need the Holy Spirit of God to be able to move in our life and do something in our life and work in our life. In the text that we're going to read here in just a moment, it is just a testimony that God can still move that God did move and that God still wants to move today as well. In our text, Paul and Silas find themselves in prison. They find themselves locked up. They find themselves in the nastiest part of the prison. But what they also experience is a great move of God in that place. Look with me in verse number 23. It said, When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and he would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm for we are all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And can I just stop and say, I'm thankful that the plan of salvation hadn't changed since that day. I'm glad that God hadn't added anything to it. I'm glad God hadn't taken anything away. But if you're here this morning and you need to be saved, the plan is the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him with all of your heart in what He did for you. And the Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. Paul gave him that message. He said, You're going to be saved if you believe. And then... You're going to take that to your house as well. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 32. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his 
straightway. I think what we read is God doing a great move on planet earth from the throne room in heaven. There they are. They're in this nasty prison. They're locked up. It's dark. It's dreary. The devil probably thinks that he has accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He has shut down the preaching of the gospel. He has locked up Paul and Silas. He's finally going to get to get in there and do his way and his will. But in that moment and at that time just a little bit after midnight from the throne room of heaven and all of his sovereignty God sent down a heavenly earthquake and it shook the very foundations of that prison and those walls were shaken and all those doors were opened and all those chains were loose and there was a man that thought the best thing I can do for myself right now is kill myself the best thing that I can do is take this sword and just stab it in me and die because they're going to kill me anyways and then out from that nasty part of the prison Paul said hey don't do yourself any harm and we're all here and you say man that was awesome that God did such a work can I say this morning the greatest thing that God did in this story wasn't that he sent an earthquake and it wasn't that the doors were open and it wasn't that the chains were loose but it was that a man that was headed to hell got saved that night and a family that was bound up in sin and religion and everything else that was going to go to hell they got saved that night and in a city that didn't have a church they got a church that night and God did a mighty work in that place and can I say this morning that God can still do a mighty work today God can still move today like God did then God can still open all the doors that need to be opened in your life and God can still break all the chains that need to be broken in your life and God can still save every sinner that would call on Him in your life and God can still start a church in every city that needs one because God's not dead this morning All right, God hadn't lost any power but God's the same yesterday today and forever and what God was capable of then God's still capable of today and I believe this morning that God still wants to move like He did then the problem isn't God the problem's oftentimes us the problem isn't what God can't do it's what we aren't doing that give God the ability and puts God in a place where He is ready to move like that that's what we need this morning is we need a move of God across this land in this community in this church in your family and in our hearts this morning you say well preacher how do we get that well from our text I'd like to share with you three truths about a great move of God if we're going to have one we've got to accept embrace and live out these truths truth number one a great move of God requires the surrender of God's people now we're not going to read all of it but you can go back to the first part of chapter number 16 and Paul decides he's going to go into Asia and he's going to preach the gospel in Asia but when Paul gets ready to go to Asia the Bible says that the Holy Spirit suffered him not to go and then after that, Paul said, well, I'm going to go to, to Bithynia and I'm going to preach the gospel in Bithynia. And when Paul got ready to go over there, the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go over there either. Well, then Paul, they go into Troas and they're going to stay the night there. And there that night as they're lodging in that city while Paul is sleeping, not knowing what he wants to do or where God wants him to go, God sends a heavenly vision to Paul. That's where we get the idea of the Macedonian call. And there in that vision, there's somebody standing over there in Macedonia saying come and help us and you know what the Bible says that Paul immediately endeavored to go over there that they decided hey this is what God wants us to do they realized God didn't want me to go into Asia God didn't want me to go into Bithynia so you know what I didn't do I didn't do those things they might have sounded right they might have seemed right but the Holy Ghost said don't go so they didn't go 
But then that night when the Spirit came and said, hey, you need to go to Macedonia. And that's where you need to go. They surrendered to the call of God on their life. And they got in a ship and they headed over there and they got into Philippi. And could I say if they wouldn't have surrendered to God that night, then God wouldn't have been able to do a move like God did. God wouldn't have been able to work like God did. And you say, well, why? Why isn't God working today like God did then? I'm convinced the reason that God isn't doing something great in the lives of many people and in the churches of His that He owns is because the people of God are not surrendered to God with all that they have. You say, why isn't God working in my life? Are you surrendered to God this morning? Why isn't God working in my family? Are you surrendered to God this morning? Why isn't God working in my ministry? Well, are you surrendered to God? Why isn't God working in my Sunday school class? Are you surrendered to God? Because until we get to a place where we are totally 100% surrendered to God, then we won't be in a position to see a great move of God. They went over there into Philippi and they went preaching the Gospel. They got over there and they cast out that devil out of that soothsaying money maker and they got mad and they got landed in prison. But Paul knew that this was what God wanted him to do. And he was surrendered to the call of God in his life. And I'm convinced that until you and I get surrendered to the call of God in our life, then we'll never be in a position to see a great move of God in our life. We'll never be where God wants us to be. The problem that most of us would have encountered is when God would have been ready to do something great in Philippi, we would have been over there in Asia. Or when God would have got ready to do something great in Philippi, we would have been back in Bithynia. Or we would have been sitting there thinking, should I go? Should I not? And hesitating to do what God wanted us. And the whole time the God of heaven was just ready to move in a mighty way. But we weren't surrendered to God. I wonder this morning how many children are not seeing a move of God in their life because their parents aren't surrendered to God. I wonder how many preachers are not seeing a move of God in their ministry and in the messages that they preach and in the work that they do because they're not surrendered to the God of heaven. How many churches are sitting there and they're not seeing a move of God and they're saying, well, God must be done. And then we make ourselves feel better and we say, well, Brother Melvin, there's a great falling away and so we're not going to see it. Can I say, there may be a great falling away that's going to happen, but it doesn't mean that there can't be a great move of God at the same time, All right, It doesn't mean that God can't do something great in this church just because something else is going on in another church, okay? God's still capable and God's still able and God's still willing, but the people of God have got to get surrendered to the will of God so that God can put us in a place where He can use us in a mighty way. I can't help but think about Joseph in the Old Testament. And there is Joseph. He's highly favored by his father. He's highly favored over the rest of his sons. And I say, I don't know anything about that, All right, I got two brothers and I wasn't highly favored. But I'm glad somebody got to be. Joseph was highly favored. He was loved above the other brothers. He, His father had a special relationship with Joseph. And you remember his brothers hated him. And then God gave him a dream. And you know what they did? They hated him the more when God gave him a dream. And they sold him into slavery. He ended up going to Potiphar's house. He ended up getting falsely accused. He ended up going to prison. He ended up 
up being forgotten about in prison. And you say, boy, why did God let all of that happen to Joseph? Can I say Joseph was okay with what God was doing? And Joseph was submitted. And Joseph was committed. And he was surrendered to whatever God was doing. You say, well, what's all that got to do with this? There was going to come a day where every single Israelite was going to die because of a famine. But if it wouldn't have been for that man that surrendered his life to God and did what God told him to do and went where God told him to go and embraced what God was doing in his life, if he wouldn't have done that, then every single Israelite would have died of starvation. But because that man was surrendered to the will of God, God was able to do a great work in his life. And God moved through that prison. And God moved in that land of Egypt. And God made a way through the surrender of His man that He could save the people of Israel. What could God do today if all of God's people said, I surrender all? Lord, I'm all Yours. I'm all in, God. I mean everything that I got. I mean from every ounce of my being to every bit of energy that I can put out. Lord, I'm all in to what You want me to do. We like to give God a little bit and then wonder why all we see is a little bit sometimes. If we want God to do a great work, then tonight, then today, at whatever time it may be in your life, I don't care, then you need to just give your life to Jesus and say, Lord, I surrender all. All right, I'm all Yours, Lord. I'm all in. Take me where You want me to be and use me how You want to use me, God. Make a great move in this land. Do a great move in this church. I'm going to give all that I have to it. Notice the second truth about a great move of God. A great move of God is not limited by the timing or by the setting. When we consider what was going on here, Paul and Silas were in this nasty part of the prison. They've been beaten They've been stripes put on them. They've been humiliated. They're locked down there in the inner parts and stocks. They got all this going on. It's dark. It's midnight. Oh, it's, I mean, it's as bad as it can possibly be. But in that moment, after midnight, in that place, God did a great move there. And I'm thankful today that it doesn't matter the time, nor does it matter the setting, nor does it matter the location. God is not limited by what, what He can do by those things. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how dreadful it is. But God's still able to do a great move in those days. You say, preacher, do you really think that God can move in a culture that's so callous towards the Gospel? Do you really think that God can move when we're so close to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Friend, I believe that God could move if it, the rapture was going to happen tomorrow. I still believe that God could move today and it could be more dark than it is and it could be more dreadful and it could be more sinful and there still wouldn't be one thing that could keep God from moving in this place or in this land. He is not limited by the timing or the setting. You say, well preacher, it's really a bad time in my life and my life's a mess and my family's dysfunctional and my heart's a mess. Can I say that God showed up in the nastiest part of that prison at the latest time of that day and God did something great and God can show up in the nastiest part of your life and in the latest part of your day and God can still do something great. God can take a situation and God can turn it all around no matter when it is, no matter where it is and no matter what it is. I'm thankful this morning that God's still a God of turnarounds, aren't you? Boy, I'm glad that God can still turn things around when it seems like it's hopeless. In a situation like this where it seemed like we're locked up, and they're going to keep us locked up. And they're going to hate us. 
And they're not going to let us get out there and preach. It wasn't long and God turned it around. And here was a man who thought the best thing that I can do is kill myself. And God turned it around, didn't He? And God gave him something to live for. Today, God is still a God of turnarounds, alright? God is still able to take the worst of situations and God can turn it all around. He can take a family that's headed for destruction and He can turn it around. He can take a life that hadn't been used for anything except living for the devil and He can turn it all the way around. And He can take a church that's at the point of death and He can turn it all the way around. There's not one thing. There's not one job. There's not one task that will ever be too big for God this morning. He can accomplish it all. You say, well, I just think my case is different. I think that my story is different. Can I say that God's never been limited? You read through the Scriptures, you'll never find a limitation that was placed on Him. I gave you a story a minute ago. There they were facing that Red Sea. There they were hearing the footsteps of the Egyptian army. And God said, Moses, you just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And Moses went out there and held that rod up. And that water was parted. And they crossed across on dry ground. But you know what's just amazing to me? Is when the Egyptian army said, we're going to go get them, alright? We're going to go after them. And that smooth highway that God put in the middle of that ocean, God started to add some speed bumps and the wheels started to fall off of their chariots. And that same water that God opened up, God began to close. And every single person on that Egyptian army died out in that ocean because God was not limited then. And God is not limited today. Lazarus has been dead for four days, right? Lord, there's no way. He'd been dead for four days when Jesus called out to him. And he walked out like he'd never died before. He was just as alive then that he was when he went in. And the Lord moved in a mighty way. There they were, walking through town trying to get to somebody's house and that woman who had an issue of blood who was filthy, who was unclean, who was an outcast, who wasn't allowed, who had been like that for 12 years and spent every dime that she had trying to get better. She came to the Lord in a bad place. She came to the Lord at a bad time. But when she came to the Lord, the Lord moved in her life in a big way and it didn't matter the setting and it didn't matter the timing. God was able to do something great then and God's still able to do something great today and what we need what we need in this church what I need in my life what you need in your life is we need a great move of God among us and we need God just to stir up in us we need God like he told Ezekiel hey you just go out there and you just breathe on them bones, alright? You just prophesy, alright? And then bones come alive. I believe this morning that the God of heaven could do the same thing today. And God just breathe out. You say, how did that earthquake come to that prison? I can tell you this. It wasn't a coincidence and it wasn't by chance. But from the throne room of heaven in all of His sovereignty, God said, hey, make that earthquake right in that spot. And it quaked right in the right spot so that that very foundation of the prison would shake and all of that could happen. I mean, it was a personal move of God. It was a powerful move of God. And God's still doing that in the lives of His people today as well. It doesn't matter the time. It doesn't matter the setting. God is not limited in any way. And consider the third truth, and I'll be done. A great move of God is triggered by the prayers and the praise of His people. Well, there they are. I just try to get it in my head. Boy, imagine being locked up down there in this inner prison. They've been beaten. 
Not only were they beaten, they had their clothes stripped off of them. They were beaten. They were put in the inner part of this prison. Their feet were put in stocks. That means it was uncomfortable. Had them spread out. All right, They had chains around them. It stunk. It was dark. It wasn't a good place to be. And the Bible says there at midnight, Boy, at midnight. Let me tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say at midnight it was grumbling. And it doesn't say at midnight it was complaining. And it doesn't say at midnight they were crying. And it doesn't say at midnight that they were whining. But it says at midnight. At midnight, in the middle of the night, locked up in the inner prison, having been beaten and all of these other things, these men of God began to pray to the God of heaven. And they began to praise God in singing. And it says that the prisoners heard them. You say, what's going to trigger God? God to move. I think what's going to trigger God to move today is when the people of God get on their knees and they start praying. And the people of God start praising God again like we used to praise God. And giving God glory. And giving God worship. And giving God recognition. And just saying thank you God for all that you've done in my life. Can I say this morning what got them out of those doors wasn't that they cried their way out. They prayed their way out. All right, And what made those chains open up wasn't because they pouted their way out, but they shouted their way out of that place. And when they got to doing that, the God of heaven began to move and God opened up the doors and God loosed the chains and God saved a soul. And you say, well, preacher, what's going to make God move today? I can tell you what's probably not going to make God move today. Our grumbling and our complaining and our whining and our pouting and our all this poor pitiful me, what's going to get God to move is when the people of God quit whining about everything else and just start praising the God of heaven again and saying, Lord, thank You for all that You've done and thank You for all that You are and thank You for all that You're going to do. Lord, I don't know why I'm here. I can just imagine Brother Paul down there in that prison and locked up and he got to pray and he said, Lord, I don't know why we're in prison. And I don't know why You let us get here. But oh God, I know that you got a reason for it. And I know that You let it happen for a reason. And I know that in some way, it's going to be used for Your honor and Your glory. And I can just imagine Silas over there saying, Preach on and amen in Him. And then they got to singing down in that place. And God heard their praises. And God heard their prayers. And God opened up those doors. And God moved in a mighty way. You say, we need God to move today. We need God to do something something like that today. Well, then we need to trade in the pouts for some shouts, alright? And we need to start giving God glory. Not just in this place, but when you get out there tomorrow on Monday morning and you're ready to say, well, it's another Monday. Hey, how about we say, just praise God. we got another day. we got another opportunity. And God's still on His throne today. Let's just praise Him for all that He is and all that He's done. Well, I've heard people say before, I just don't really get anything out of church. Oh man, when people say that, I gotta do my best to stay in my, stay, stay out of the flesh, alright? People say, I don't really get much when I go to church. I gotta pray and say, God, don't let me get in my flesh, and it never works, and so it might as well not work this morning either, alright? But listen, if you come to church and you say, I just don't get anything out of church, can I say if you walked in and you sat down and you crossed your arms and you never sang and you got out that phone and you started looking at it, it ain't nobody else's fault you never got anything out of church, alright? You can blame me and you can blame the 
singer and you can blame the air conditioner, you can blame the pew and you can blame everything else that you want but I'm telling you God will move when the people start praising God alright and when people start just saying Lord we're thankful for what you've done and we want to give you glory because here's what the psalmist said he inhabits our praises he lives there and when the people of God begin to praise God they invite God into their life and they invite God into that place but can I say when all you ever do is complain and whine and gripe and fuss and everything else in your life at church in your home with your children or wherever it may be you're not inviting God in you're kicking God out when you do that but when you'll get to praising God in the middle of that then that's when God moves in our life well I've been in church before and it just felt like it was dead you know it just felt like I was at somebody's funeral going through church and somebody would get up there and they'd get up there to sing or whatever it was and they'd say I just want to say that God's been so good to me and they'd get to testifying about how good God was in their life and they'd get to telling about the things that they'd went through and how God had just moved and it was like God just began to move a little bit in that service. And you'd look over and somebody had their head bowed and I thought, well, boy, they already fell asleep. And then I noticed they were over there praying. They were over there just praying for God to do something and God responded to that. Somebody would get up there and they'd sing a special boy and they'd sing their heart out and somebody in that crowd would just lift a hand and say, man, God's been good. And then somebody would hear that song and it would move them and somebody would say, praise God in the middle of that song. And the people of God would just get to praising God and that service that seemed so cold and dead, it became lively and it became warm because when people started praising God, God started moving there and God started doing something and God started working. Hey, that's the reason that we came to this place is so that God can move in our lives so God can move here and God can move tomorrow and the next day but we've got to trigger the move of God with the prayers and the praise of God's people he is worthy of all of it I think about I think about all oh, the things that go on in our life and how bad it is and we get down or we come to church and we're just down and boy we don't have any joy to us and you say well Preacher, it doesn't really matter. You know, it just, as long as you preach a good sermon, you know, that's all that matters, you know. And when you're up a creek, then all right. But listen, he said, it all that really matters. I just, that's the only thing that we're there for. And all of those things. Listen, we came to worship the God of heaven. And you want to know what the devil loves? Here's what the devil loves. The devil loves when the people of God have absolutely no joy in their life. And the devil loves when the child of God sits there on Sunday or sits there on Monday or whenever it is and says, well, I'd praise God, but I don't really know what people are going to think about me. You know, I'd give God glory today, but I'm just really afraid of what somebody's going to say about me. Well, you know, I just really don't want people to think anything bad about me or say, boy, that guy, he's lost his mind, you know. I mean, he thinks that we ought to just praise God. Oh, I don't want people to think that. Can I say, I would rather have the move of God than the approval of man in my life. I'd rather have the breath of God breathe down on this church and breathe down on my life and breathe down on my family than I would for people to look and say, wow, they're so put together. And they have it all figured out. Hey, I'd rather God say, I'm going to show up and I'm going to show out and I'm going to do something in that place because the move of God was triggered 
by the praise and the prayers of God's people. I can't help but think about when Amalek showed up back there in Exodus chapter number 17 and he was going to fight against the Israelites and Moses being the good preacher that he was said, Joshua, you go fight and I'm going to go pray, alright? So when people show up and I say, y'all fight and I'm going to pray, that's the pattern that I'm following, alright? But Moses said, I'm going to go up on top of the mountain and I'm going to get up there and Joshua, you pick out some men and you go fight them. And Moses went up to the top of that mountain and you know what he did? He got the rod of God in his hand and he just stood there. Boy, and he stood there with his hands up in the air and they fought and they fought and they fought and as long as his hands were up in the air, Joshua was winning. But you know how it is. If I did this for much longer, my arms get tired, alright? Moses' arms started to get tired and he'd lay his hands down to the side and Amalek would start winning. And Moses would do what he could to get them hands back up in the air and God would start moving. And God would give the victory. And it got heavy. But you know what God provided Moses? God provided Moses with Aaron and her. And they came over there and they said, Moses, you sit on this rock. And they got up under him and they held his arms up. And as long as the arms of Moses were held in the air, then God was moving down in that valley and God was giving victory. Can I say this morning, if we want to see a move of God, we need to go from here and we need to get back here and we need to lift our hands and we need to give God the praise that He's worthy of. You say, well preacher, it's hard. Well I'm saying you come down here and I'll get under your arms, alright? I'll hold your arms up. You hold my arms up. But we got to keep our arms up in the air and we got to keep them lifted because when we let them down, the devil gets in and the devil starts winning and the devil starts making ground. We don't need the devil to get any more ground. We need God to move in this place. And what moves God is the praise and the prayers of His people. And when we find a place and we say, oh God, Oh God, would you do something great in this place? When we say, oh God, I, I don't know why things are going the way that they're going. But God, you ain't ever been nothing but good to me in my life, Lord. You ain't ever let me down. You ain't ever failed me. You ain't ever let me go out there by myself. But every step of the way, I've walked with you hand in hand. You say, well, preacher, not everybody has an easy life. Can I say, Paul and Silas didn't have an easy life, alright? You say, well, it's sometimes it's harder to praise God. They were down there in the worst part. They didn't have the best singers down there. They didn't have a baby grand piano down there. They didn't have a sound system that would blare you out down there. They didn't have a screen with words on it down there. But what they had was the Holy Spirit that filled their heart. And they were surrendered to God. And they just couldn't help but praise God because all that He had done for them. That's where we need to get back to this morning. If we want a move of God, hey, God's ready to move. Are we ready? Are we ready to respond? Are we ready to surrender? Are we ready to pray? Are we ready to praise Him? Let me ask you this question and I'll close. If the move of God that we stand in need of today was dependent upon your surrender, your prayer, and your praise, I wonder what kind of move of God could we expect today? You say, well, if everybody else, it ain't about everybody else. What about you? What about me? Hey, if it's up to me, if the move of God that Tempson Missionary Baptist Church needs, that my family needs, is all dependent upon my surrender and my prayer and my praise, can we expect a move of God in this place? We're looking for everybody else. What about us? Why don't we get in that place and we do what we can to trigger the move of God in this place this morning? I want to ask you to stand with me is we have a verse of invitation. Lord, we need You so bad in our life. And we need You so bad in this place. 
Lord, I believe somebody here is probably lost and undone in their sin. And the devil's doing everything that he can to hold on to him with all that he has, God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd move in this place, that your people, Lord, we'd pray and we'd praise you in this place. And